welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad, the definitive show on Airbnb hosting, featuring the best advice on how to maximize profits from your Airbnb listing, as well as real-life experiences from Airbnb hosts all over the world. Welcome. Get paid for your pad. 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 This episode is brought to you by Hostfully, a company that helps you make beautiful guidebooks for your listing. Make your own at hostfully.com slash pad. And as a special for Get Paid for Your Pad listeners, you'll get a free guidebook consultation after you make your guidebook. Welcome to episode number 171 of Get Paid for Your Pad. My name is Jesper. I'm your host. I'm currently in New York. I just arrived. I'm a little jet lagged. But it's all good. And I have a very special guest today. Her name is Andy Birchfield, and she is a business and real estate investor attorney at Birchfield Law, and she's also an Airbnb super host. And we're going to talk all about the differences between long-term investing, long-term rentals versus Airbnb. So Andy, welcome to the show. Good morning, Jasper. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me today. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Andy reached out to me. She uh, she said she's been enjoying the podcast and she told me that she had some interesting things to share. So I'm very excited to have her on the show today. How did you find out about the podcast? So I occasionally, I drive long distances to see my clients and I was searching. I a huge podcast nerd. And I just was thinking about my little Airbnb business. And I thought, how cool would it be if there was a podcast out there that would keep me in touch with the news of Airbnb and maybe give me some tips and tricks. And I searched and there you were. Yes. <laughs> awesome. And where are you based, Andy? We are here in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Oklahoma City. Nice. I visited there about seven years ago. Incredible. It's, it's, it's actually a really a kind of a fun story. Let me, I'll quickly share it. So when I was 17 years old, we had a, a guy from Honduras who was living in my parents' house. He was an exchange student. I became really good friends with him and he returned to Honduras. And, you know, back in the day, we didn't have Facebook, etc. So I kind of lost touch with him until I got Facebook and I moved to the US. I was living in Chicago and suddenly I got a Facebook request from him. And so I started talking to him and turned out he lived in Oklahoma. So <laughs> I jumped on the plane and I went over, I stayed a week with him. I think we hadn't seen each other for something like 15 or 16 years or something when I met him in Oklahoma. So that was a pretty cool experience. Sounds awesome. So let's dive into Airbnb and long-term renting. So first of all, do you want to share a little bit about your background and how you got into like what you're doing in real estate investing and long-term renting and Airbnb, et cetera? Absolutely. So I have been a landlord longer than I've been an attorney. I've doing this seven years now. And slowly, we have just grown our long-term rental portfolio. Generally, we remodel our own homes and then rent them on a year-long lease. I manage them. And after 
remodeling one of our recent projects about a year ago, we I told my husband, I'd like to try this Airbnb thing as an experiment. I am a lawyer by trade and the real estate thing is something we do on the side. And this Airbnb thing kind of became an additional something I was doing on the side. We took stuff from our second living room. We took the TV from our second living room, the entire bedroom set and mattress from our guest bedroom, tried it out. And it was a pretty big hit. We could see the writing on the wall. The numbers were looking good. And we decided to stick with it. In the beginning, when we were deciding whether it would work, I'm from a very small town. Jasper in Northwest Oklahoma. I graduated with a class size of 24 people. And so I would tell my friends, yeah, I'm thinking about doing this Airbnb thing. And they said, does anyone come to Oklahoma? And I knew from being from a small town that I was a tourist to Oklahoma City so many times growing up. So I had that belief. And I've been an Airbnb member since 2012. I believed in it. I liked the experience and I wanted to be involved in it. So In the very beginning, for the first nine months, I managed that one listing myself. I slowly tried to systemize it. I, you know, learned the tips and the tricks that you talk about a lot with guests on here, self-taught and systemized, systemized, labeled the supply closet. Eventually I added cleaners. I would train them myself and figured out systems of how we were going to pay them, how we were going to schedule them. All the while, a little shout out to Robert Kiyosaki here, you know, that was being very much being self-employed, but in the cash flow quadrant, if you've read it, I was trying to move the Airbnb thing to become a business. And I systemized and eventually I hired a manager. I picked somebody that I worked with at a law firm when I was before I went out on my own and she's fantastic. And then we've kind of learned, taught each other the role of the manager and how she can help elevate the business. And we've added two listings since. And now I can step away. I can, I consider it more of a freestanding business. Now I can look at it just a handful of times a month. I'm having my monthly meeting with my manager today. And now I can be attorney full time again. Awesome. And the Robert that you mentioned, could you repeat his name? Yeah, Robert Kiyosaki. And he's, he's the author of Rich Man, Poor Man, or Poor Man, Rich Man? Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yeah. <laughs> I wrote uh, a book called Cashflow Quadrant. And I haven't read that one, but I'm very familiar with it. And the whole, the whole concept is you can be self-employed or you can be a business owner. And from what I know about you, Jasper, it sounds like you're a business owner with your Airbnb because you travel full time. So you've found a way to step away yourself. That's right. Yeah. And I just remember, I mean, Robert is a very well-known author and speaker. I've read some of his stuff. And I've also downloaded a game that he created that kind of teaches you how to invest in real estate. Have you yeah. have you heard of that one? It's called Cash Game or something? I have heard of it. I didn't know it was an electronic version. I've my husband's a commercial real estate broker and obviously investor too. And I have many times priced the board game and thought, no, we won't use it that much, but I think it's going to be his birthday gift this year. <laughs> okay, yeah, I downloaded it on my iPad. It's a, it's a pretty fun game. And oh, it definitely kind of teaches you the basics of real estate investing, right? Mm-hmm. 
Tell us a little bit more about your first Airbnb listing. Was that an entire unit or was it the spare room? At that point in our long-term real estate investing development, we were mainly looking at multi-tenant rentals. We had identified duplexes, triplexes, quads as something we wanted because we think that there's a scale there and you know, one mortgage for multiple units, you can quickly do all your maintenance needs, you taking care of one roof. Our first listing was a duplex and I love a duplex for an Airbnb property because I'm paying for the utilities and shared walls mean lower heating and cooling costs. And we have pretty extreme temperatures here in Oklahoma City in both directions. It's on a public golf course. And it sounds fancy that it's on a golf course, but Jasper, it's not really an upscale place. The neighborhood is a primarily renter neighborhood. And there is one owner that owns, I would say, like 80% of the neighboring condos, townhomes. So all of the yard work is taken care of, but it rents for about $900 a month in Oklahoma City. And I would consider it class B property. So we remodeled ours on the inside. You know, it's very updated, standard finishes. Um, We do the cheapest stainless steel appliances. So we kind of hit that little sweet spot. While we think the neighbors were getting about $900 a month in rent, our place from a long-term rental perspective rented for $9.95 a month. So one of the better homes in the neighborhood. Backyard looks out over the driving range of a golf course, but it makes for a beautiful photo on my Airbnb listing. And a lot of guests have said they like sitting out there in the morning and watching the driving range. Awesome. And you mentioned some learning lessons that you learned uh, very early on in your Airbnb career. Do you want to share those? Yeah. So we are entrepreneurs in this household and, you know, profit first. Let's get that going. Take the guest room furniture and the TV over there and see if anyone rents it. And so they did. And at that time, there were really only about 100 to 150 entire home listings on Airbnb. Since then, more than doubled. People rented it and it turns out they wanted curtains on the back door window in the back window of the house, even though it, you know, looked out to the driving range and there weren't any homes nearby. (laughs) We would have been fine living in the home ourselves with no curtains, but it's not just about what your standard is. It's about what your guests standards are. And we've since learned, and I'm constantly reminded listening to your podcast that we've got guests staying with us that might be jet lagged. So we do some blackout curtains and one or two rooms in each place and things like that that we've learned. Yeah, that's a really important one, actually. I think I talked about this a few episodes ago when we were talking about how to create the ultimate bedroom for Airbnb guests, especially now that I am very jet lagged myself. It's so much easier to sleep when the room is completely dark versus Mm -hmm. when the light's coming in. So I think that's a very important one. And I want to go back to what you said earlier, because I think this is an important point as well. You were saying that most of your friends were telling you that Oklahoma wouldn't be a good place to rent out an Airbnb because there wouldn't be enough people visiting. Yeah. Who's going to do that? Right. That's something that I've heard from a lot of people. Like a lot of people who reach out to me, actually, they ask that question. They say, well, I'm in this small town or I'm in this village. Do you think there's enough demand? 
And so I always recommend people to just try because you really don't know until you try, right? But you can get some indications by looking at, for example, you know, how many hotels are there in your city? Because if there's hotels, then you know, there's demand for accommodation. So there could be demand for Airbnb as well. And if you don't have enough demand, if you're in a smaller place, you know, you can use the other platforms like uh, HomeAway, VRBO, Expedia, Booking.com, TripAdvisor, so many different platforms out there that you can use those platforms as well to fill up the empty space in your calendar if Airbnb uh, by itself isn't providing you with enough demand. Right. And we use both VRBO and Airbnb and I don't think it's too intimidating. We've added one at a time and they make it pretty easy now as long as you sync your calendars. Right. And there's also all sorts of software out there these days what you can uh, use to, they're called channel managers. Yeah. <laughs> Host, I can't emphasize how important it is to share recommendations of things to do or eat near your listing beforehand. Your guests won't have to go through TripAdvisor, Foursquare or Yelp. They won't have to scratch their head and think about possible places right in the moment. I've been using Hostfully to create an online and printable guidebook to show my guests my favorite coffee places in Amsterdam. They use my recommendations and I'm getting fewer questions from my guests as a result. I've also included screenshots of my guidebook on my Airbnb listing as a way to differentiate my listing from others. So make your own guidebook at hostfully.com pad. Let's talk about the differences between long-term renting and Airbnb. So as I understand, you have several units that you've invested in, and some of them you're doing long-term renting, and some of them you're doing Airbnb. So my question to you is, how do you decide whether to do long-term or Airbnb, and what are the advantages and disadvantages of both? Right. So I've come up with a little formula. It's simply what you think your Airbnb net income is minus your long-term rental gross revenue potential. So in the Airbnb net income, I'm taking everything that you're going to receive. And so that doesn't include taxes, right? Because Airbnb does that for you. But minus your mowing expenses, your utilities, your Wi-Fi, your cleaning costs, your management, if you have it, the cost of consumables, your wear and tear, the furnishings, And then there's, I think, a a little additional maintenance requirements just to keep an Airbnb up to guest standards on an ongoing basis. So we take that number. Once you come up with that, you look around at comparative units in the area and come up with what you think you could get on a traditional one-year lease. So in my case, I have a manager now. So I make $700 Airbnb net income. After I subtract the fact that I could be getting about $1,000 from a long-term rental. As short-term rental owners and hosts, we have to know our numbers. It really encourages everybody I speak to who's doing this to know how much they're spending on toilet paper. You've got to know how much you're spending on, on all of these little items and about how fast your furniture is being you know, torn up or worn out and replacement costs for it, or you're not going to be able to come up with this number accurately. Now, in my area, I've already shared a little bit about our first listing. You know, we're renting that for about a thousand on a long-term lease. 
in Oklahoma City, there's some really hot neighborhoods that are super fun to live in. They're a little bit more pedestrian friendly. There's more things going on, street festivals. In those areas, you can get a lot more for a long-term rental. Say you get $1,500 a month in a really nice neighborhood in Oklahoma City. Well, my personal experience is that there is a cap to how much you're going to get, especially during the four weeknights from an Airbnb listing. And so by using this little formula in Oklahoma City, I've kind of identified the types of units I want that will make me, in theory, the most money. If I lived in a high tourist town, like you talk about in your book, um, like London or New York City, I think that there's much smaller footprint listings that are much cheaper to maintain that probably garner a lot more income from Airbnb just inherently. And so even though they could rent for a lot on a long-term basis, your spread between Airbnb and long-term rental is still going to be great enough that it merits the active income. So I'm going to turn to another kind of cornerstone of our business, which is always looking at the real estate as the underlying asset. That is, we have the asset, if it's finance, we have the mortgage, and we have to include all the taxes, insurance, maintenance, wear and tear type stuff. We would have to be paying for that, whether it was a long-term or a short-term. We isolate those expenses as their underlying real estate asset. I really try to look at the Airbnb and short-term rental as a business on top of the asset. And I think by doing that, we can be confident that it's worth the extra effort of doing Airbnb. You mentioned some numbers. So you're saying the apartments, they rent long-term for about $1,000 to $1,500 a month in these various locations in Oklahoma. So what would be the net Airbnb revenue on, the, on those places? Well, you know, I've looked at that because we've just put a contract in on two new properties at four new units and my listings are not near town center. And I definitely do think there is more money and more occupancy at a higher rental rate on Airbnb going on down in town center. I just haven't been a part of that action yet, Jasper. I kind of look at AirDNA to kind of figure out what they're making, but sometimes I wonder if they've got their management as tied down as they could because on AirDNA, it just doesn't look like it's incrementally as much of a difference down there. But I think there's, you know, at least 10 to $20 a night difference on the weekends. My new units are going to be closer down there. One of the units is a duplex. It's going to be, it's not going to have the best neighbors. <laughs> it's the house, it's going to be the nicest house on the block again. You know, one of the neighbors has some furniture on its front porch and some overgrown landscape. But I think I'm going to try to, I'm just going to be very accurate on my listing and overcome it with a great guest experience and great furnishings. And I think there'll be a lot of Airbnb guests that are really grateful and really thankful for the space, even though it has neighbors uh, who need a new roof. <laughs> and so I'm going to figure it out what what's going on down there as far as Airbnb income. For right now, you know, my difference when I take out my Airbnb net income, Jasper, it's about seven $700 a unit. Right. So in those cases, it's actually more profitable to rent out the long term. Let's say we moved my listing. We call it Airhouse One, my first listing that you and I have been talking about here. Let's say we moved it to a nicer neighborhood 
even in Oklahoma City, you know, not in a hot tourist town, just here in Oklahoma City. We moved it to one of the hot neighborhoods where you can walk to a restaurant or there's more of a nightlife than I think I could probably for the same space and the same cost to me minus the increased purchase price, I could probably be getting, you know, $1,300 a month off that rental. You know, if my Airbnb costs stay the same, my net income goes from 700. And by the way, that 700 is because I give my manager a pretty good percentage. My net income goes from 700, reduces almost in half, right? You know, it's not even worth my time two, three days a month looking at this to validate, you know, just an extra few hundred dollars a month. I've visited Airbnbs in beautiful Airbnb in Austin last this February, and they had amazing furnishings. I mean, probably spent $15,000 on furnishings in the place. And consumables, they were using high-end soap, high-end shampoo. It was beautiful. High-end towels, white towels. And I know that I know those get stained. And so you have some turnover on that. And I looked up what long-term rentals were getting in the area and found out how much they paid for the home because I'm an attorney and I can use public databases like a boss, right? I did the numbers and it just felt like they were doing Airbnb because they enjoyed it as a hobby, but as a business, it didn't look like the numbers were there for them. That's really interesting because, you know, my experience with long-term renting, well, I only have one experience to go by. Uh, so I used to rent out my uh, apartment in Amsterdam uh, for long-term. And I ended up making between two and three times as much on Airbnb. But what I didn't realize is that, you know, that that's not the case for every location, right? I mean, like you mentioned, uh, you know the places like New York City, Amsterdam, Paris, London. Those are those are cities where there's there's almost like unlimited demand for Airbnbs. I mean, you know it's not very hard to get uh, close to full occupancy when you're in one of those cities. But when you're in a different place, you know the dynamics might be very different. You might not be able to fill up your your calendar completely. And so in those places, I understand that long-term renting could be a better option. And obviously, as you mentioned, you know, there's a lot less work to it when you're doing long-term renting. You don't have to manage it. There's no check-ins and and, and, the, and cleanings and stuff. The cost of recruiting people for your cleaning team and the cost of training new cleaners is something we have to calculate into that Airbnb expense. In some of those areas you mentioned, Jasper, the cost for cleaning might be a lot higher. Airbnb, as you probably know, has coming out with an incentive to advertise that you pay your cleaners at least $15 an hour. And in some markets, that's going to really cut into a host's margin. Absolutely. I didn't know that, by the way. Is that the new minimum wage in the US that uh, a lot of places are moving towards? There's a city and state battle right now on minimum wage throughout the nation. St. Louis has been in the news this week on that. But I think $15 an hour is a Mr. Chesky number. And I think it will be great. I pay my cleaners by the job. I use properly, get properly. Shout out to those guys over there. I'm ready for them to turn off the marketplace if I'm paying for the app because I have had Airbnb hosts in my town 
poach my cleaners, but I love the app. I talk to the owners and I use it. So I have this checklist. It's fully automated. I can hire a 19-year-old college girl to clean my place. And even though she's never maintained a home of her own, between the manager and that cleaner, she can change the sheets and do everything she needs to on our properly list. And I pay by the job. If she's fast, she can make $15 an hour. I absolutely want all of my cleaners making that. But if they're slow, they probably don't. I do the same thing. I, I also pay per, per check-in. I used to have because now I'm transitioning to my new Airbnb places in other places around the world. I used to do the same thing. Yeah, just pay a fixed amount. Like you said, if they're fast and efficient, they can kind of bump up their hourly rate. Awesome. Yeah. We're getting to the end of the, the episode. So I wanted to thank you for, for coming on to the show. And uh, I wish you all the best. Lots of luck with uh, your real estate and Airbnb business in Oklahoma. Thank you, Jasper. And you're really doing a great service to the host community out there by hosting this podcast. So I really appreciate it. And I hope you keep it up. I definitely will be keeping it up. And uh, thanks for the kind words. And all the listeners out there, thanks for listening. And then on uh, Friday, we'll be back with the news episode. So I hope to see you then. Get paid for your pet. 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 Get paid for your pet.